As Dark Horse's time publishing Star Wars Legends came to an end, and as Disney launched its new wave of canon storytelling, along came four-issue comic miniseries Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. You're listening to Canon in 15 Minutes from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello there, I am Dan, aka Vader's Castle Library, and today I am hosting our episode of Canon in 15 Minutes, focusing on the four-issue comic book series Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, and today I am joined by the usual suspects, Star Wars book community founder and fan for tracks writer, SW Book Collector, aka Chris Davies, how you doing? Alright, thanks. And when was the last time you read this one? Um, About 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) nice and fresh then yep uh and we are also joined by star wars book reviewing jedi master journals of the wheels aka johnny mayner how are you doing johnny i'm good dan i'm good thanks and when did you read this 10 15 minutes ago yeah 24 hours ago so there's practically cobwebs on it (laughs) yeah i mean i read it about six hours ago so johnny (laughs) you're a little bit behind on that one oh man Uh, so yeah let me just give a bit of context to the story before we jump into our sort of general thoughts uh, this was a four issue comic book series published by dark horse uh, running from may to august of 2014 um, the trade paperback first released on the 1st of october 2014 and then marvel comics re-released the trade paperback in november of 2017 it is written by jeremy barlow with art by juan frigeri and it was uh, based off of a story from an unproduced Clone Wars arc. And it, being a Clone Wars story, obviously comes from the prequel era and picks up with Darth Maul's story after the season five episode, The Lawless, and leaves him in the position that we find him again in the final season of The Clone Wars. Um, I will just give a brief publisher's summary for anyone who hasn't read it. Uh, Getting cut in half by Obi-Wan Kenobi and being rejected by his former Sith Master Darth Sidious isn't going to defeat Darth Maul. In fact, it only makes him mad enough to take on the galaxy with an army of Mandalorians. After forming the Shadow Collective, a criminal organization composed of the Huts, Black Sun, the Mandalorians and the fearsome Knight Brothers, Maul wages war against Darth Sidious and his generals Count Dooku and General Grievous. Right, okay. So, firstly, I'll kick it over to you, Chris. How does this one work for you as a Darth Maul story? I, I, I love it. It's great. Um, I do, obviously, in canon, we have two different Darth Maul comic series, don't we? We have Darth Maul, and we have yes. Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, and I always preferred this one out of the two. Um, mm-hmm. I've read it a few times, but as a Darth Maul story, it, it's really good because it properly picks up where we left him. It bridges the gaps. And it's very in keeping and in, in character with Maul. But she gets some awesome, like, Dooku and Grievous action. And that, you know, that's always good. Yep, definitely. And what about you, Johnny? How does this work for you as a, as a Darth Maul I love story? it. I mean, Maul is such an interesting character. And, and I guess we've seen him go through a lot, <laughs> particularly in, in, in canon and since the Clone Wars, you know. I always got the sense the in The Phantom Menace that he was just sort of meant to be this sort of this pit bull, this attack dog sort of character, even even the name mm-hmm. Maul, you know, um, that he was kind of a blunt weapon. But when, I guess when George decided to bring him back for the Clone Wars, 
you know he, he mixed things up a bit what we what, what we sort of got actually was this sort of this kind of scheming cunning sith guy um obviously voiced by sam whitwer and you know he sort of he, you know he did a fantastic job in the life so so the, the mall we see in this comic book is very much that mall of the clone wars you know it's, it's very much on brand for that yeah. you know he, he's not just running full pelt at a problem he's scheming he's thinking he's building his alliances again um he always reminded me of like a, a thespian that's like turned evil in the clone wars compared do you know what I mean, Johnny? Is, is that, yeah, is that kind of what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, the, the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you, you know, he, he's there's 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 something start, a little bit more pantomime villain about him in the Clone Wars. He reminds you me know? of uh, Hugh Grant. He's definitely twirling a, a moustache. You yeah. know, <laughs> um, in a way that the characterization isn't there in you know, the two or three lines we get from him on Phantom Menace. He's just a snarling guy. Um, and, and an yeah, imposing yeah. physical threat, really, more than anything else, and, and that, that's what he was meant to do in the Phantom, and he, he was meant to be disposable. Um, but there's you know, one of the fascinating things I think about him here is that he isn't actually afraid. He isn't afraid to rely on other people. You know, he calls on Talzin for help. He relies on the Knight Brothers. He relies on the Mandalorians to break him out of prison at the start of it. You know, it, it's very interesting to see him actually reliant on people uh, and sort of actually being bailed out by this network that he's actually built up for himself. Yeah, he just lost Savage, hasn't he? Yeah. So I said, say that again, Chris. I say he's just lost Savage as well, hasn't he? To back up your point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it really worked for me as a Darth Maul story, and I think um, sort of everything that you guys were saying, I, I agree with as well. And obviously, in this, we got some, you know, some more information about Maul as well, along the lines of you know his his origins and how Palpatine sourced him as a child and obviously the sort of revelation uh towards the end of the book about his connection to mother mm-hmm. Towson. so i think that um you know it's definitely a, a good story in the sense of learning more about maul and uh I, I definitely think that when i read it the first time i was like oh okay now clone wars makes a bit a bit more sense because i feel like that jump from season five to season seven maul of like well, he was pretty much down and out, and then he was back in Mandalore again. So giving us sort of a bridging story, I think, uh, works really, really well. Um, so how does this one work, actually, as a, as a Clone Wars story, and more specifically, a Clone Wars story in, in comic book form? Uh, Chris, yeah, start perfect. With you. I mean, it feels like you, you can tell it's part of Filoni's overall vision um, for a couple of reasons, but it definitely feels like a Clone Wars arc. Uh, definitely, because you obviously with the Clone Wars, the there was a quite a big focus on Dooku, and Do- Dooku has more focus in this than I think any other printed media we've got, other than Dooku Jedi Lost. He's way, way more of a central character, whereas most other printed media tends to shy away from him a little bit. Um, so this is very much in keeping with the the Clone Wars characters we have. I mean, the art style isn't it, it's not the same art style as the Clone Wars. It's very much a comic book, and it's it's nice, quite nice, cartoony art style, um, quite vivid, which I liked. But it, it it definitely works well as a Clone Wars story for sure. Yeah, definitely. And what about you, Johnny? How does it how does it work for a, as a Clone Wars story? It stacks up really well for me. Actually, just interesting what you're saying, Chris, about the art style because I yeah. I, I love that this isn't in the style of the Clone Wars animation. Yeah, that would be gross mm. on page. I, I, I love I, the Clone I Wars, love... but that would look gross. 
Yeah, I, I love any and all Dooku content, which doesn't show him looking like something from the side of an ancient Greece, ancient Greek urn. You know, oh, he's <laughs> with that bizarre nose. Uh, and I get what they were going for in the show. I kind of just, it kind of annoys me. Um, so I, I love Dooku as a character, always have, and I, I really appreciate seeing so much of him here. I mean, you know, this, this is such a critical part of the Clone Wars narrative, you know, in the in the Clone Wars, all the way through, you know, very much, you know, to, I guess at least from season three onwards, you know, we've got um, very big story threads coming together and sort of and interweaving at various points with three Dathomiri characters. You've got Talzin, Maul, and Asajj Ventress, and their storylines don't really get wrapped up on the show, and we're sort of left with this comic series and the Dark Disciple novel, you know, all based on unproduced story arcs. And both great. Of, the, absolutely. Then some of my favorite stuff in publishing, but I can't, you know, I still wish we had, we had them in animated form as well, but the, I, you know, I regard these as so much a part of the show that I can't do uh, a watch through of the show without squeezing in a reread of this novel, of this comic and a re, usually a re-listen to the Dark Disciple novel because these they cap off those storylines from the show. They're absolutely critical. So this is, fits right into the Clone Wars. Um, and if, if there are folk out there who love the Clone Wars and haven't read this, they just need to go and get it one way or another. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's, it is 100% feels like a Clone Wars story, not just in the sense of, you know, the, the, the content wrapping up sort of lots of storylines, but also just in that, I don't want to call it that Filoni style, but it is that sort of like really quick, yeah, it's fast fast-paced, get it over away in like 20, big 20 minutes. Either, which Clone Wars never has. A lot of other Star Wars media really exactly. does. It's quite plays it quite safe, but the Clone Wars never did, yep. and this doesn't. This has def- definitive resolutions for some characters, which shocked me the first time I read it. I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think it works really well. And as you know, someone who's been reading comics since before I started reading Star Wars comics, I I really like the art artwork in this. I think it's really effective artwork, really colourful. It looks really good, and um, I actually think the story does fit the comic book form really nicely. You know, that the four issues that it's divi- divided up into, you know, they they're natural breaks in the storyline. Each one leaves you on a good cliffhanger. It's a good read. Um, but I definitely think that the the trade paperback collection of the four is literally just like picking up an arc of the Clone Wars and just reading it instead of watching it. So uh, it's definitely Dan, successful. Which, which, which edition are you reading? Have you got the Marvel one? No, funnily enough, I am yet to find a copy of the paperback. I'm, I was just reading off of uh, Marvel uh, Unlimited okay. today. Don't tell me you have um, the Dark Horse one, Johnny. I do have the Dark Horse one, God, but I have... You've, you've got all the rare ones that are worth loads of money. Well, is, I, I, I just... <laughs> when when the canon was rebooted, I just said... And I'd missed out on years of the EU at that point. I said, I'm going to keep up, you know? So I just kept up. So when, when, when something new dropped, I just bought it. Um, so which is why I've ended oh. up with some of these things that somehow, for one reason or another, are quite rare now. Um, but in the Dark Horse um, edition... You don't exactly. You know, they they don't give you those um, breaks between issues with like a you know a bit of cover the art or something. Page, yeah. You know, so I actually one one of the things I noticed in this on this read through was 
I couldn't exactly tell every time where an, an issue break was. Ah, that's interesting. Okay. Necessarily, because it was just flowing for yeah. me, you know? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I, did, I think I prefer the Marvel way of putting those issue breaks in there. One, because we get to see the cover art. And two, I always use them as chapters when I'm reading. Do you know what I mean? I'll just write one more issue, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, one um, thing I will say on your point earlier, Johnny, is I'm glad this wasn't made into a Clone Wars arc, especially mm. after the fact, because if Ahsoka and Tales of the Jedi has taught us anything, Filoni will probably change it if he makes it. Um, and <laughs> yeah. create quite a lot of things, you know, create, create a continuity <laughs> issue, because that's also fascinating, because obviously this story, again, originated from Filoni. I don't know whether he came up with the story or someone else did completely. I don't know. I'm just going to say it was Filoni because it's easy to blame him. Um, the This was originally a legend story, but it's a direct contradiction on Maul's origins to Maul's origins in Darth Plagueis. So it actually works better as a canon it. story. You know? But, I mean, in, I, when I was reading through this, I noticed that it it, it does talk about um, Talzin giving Maul away to Sidious. Um, yeah, and it suggests he's like a ten-year-old at the time. Yes. Now it, it's been about thirteen years since I read Plagueis. How, how does that differ? Plagueis happens, um, he senses something, he's in a marketplace, uh, Palpatine yeah. is, and it's a, a sort of a woman who's on the run, she's a night sister, I don't think she's like a full-on night sister, but she's part of that clan, Yeah. Um, and she just hands it to, hands the baby to Palpatine, pretty much. There was a bit of a conversation there, but I can't remember the details, so I don't want to butcher it, but he's a baby. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that to me sounds like classic, sort of Maybe not even coming from Filoni, but from Lucas. Yeah. You know, George was always sort of disregarding stuff from the EU when it when it came to nailing the stories for the Clone Wars episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a canon origin for Maul, do we? So, so this could work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I when I was sort of doing my my research today, there was there was a quote out from I think Matt Martin from the Lucasfilm Story Group. It basically says like, mm-hmm. even though this was published by Dark Horse as a legend story, it is canon, and it's to be considered canon because it's based off of you know Clone Wars episodes that Lucas would have come yeah. up with. So it's like that weird in between uh, of the two. But it's interesting there that actually there's. There's more in it which contradicts legends than than canon, so it's it's good. But yeah. from that point of view, yeah, I mean that, that that is that is legends though. I'll be honest. I'm not gonna you know poop on legends, but there's a lot of contradictions in legends, especially coming from the Clone Wars because yeah, the Clone Wars retconned a lot of things, especially to do with Mandalorians mm-hmm. and all of that. So this is just in keeping with that. I think the new canon now. It has had errors, but they're much. They're just details. They're small details. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing big. Yeah, I mean, le- le- in um, in Legends now, even Peel has died twice, courtesy of the Clone Wars. Yes, <laughs> and um, Ayla's no. What's the uh, Togruta Jedi? Oh, Shakti. Yeah, she's died about four times. Oh, the she? many many deaths of Shakti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you count the deleted scene from uh, Revenge of the Sith as well. Yeah, that's if you count in that, yeah, but she's died loads. I think in yeah. canon, she has only died the once so far. No, we still don't know for sure, do we? 
Right, so we are uh, we are around the 15-minute mark, so I feel like that's a good time to get us on to our final overall thoughts uh, of the series as a whole. Seems to be universally adored by the three of us, but uh, Chris, where do you stand? Yeah, great. Definitely give it, definitely read it if you're a Clone Wars fan, if you're a Maul fan, if you like Revenge of the Sith. It's got a lot of those characters. I would say if you haven't read the Clone Wars, you won't get it, so that is a bit of a disclaimer now. This is very much a continuation of that story. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. It's great. And you can get um, a Marvel re-release of it, which is affordable, because not everyone is Mr. Moneybag like Johnny. <laughs> it was just the normal price when I bought it. Of course it was, mate. <laughs> Johnny, what about you? What's your final thoughts? Um, love it, absolutely. It, it's an absolutely critical bit of The Clone Wars. Wraps up a significant storyline from the show. Um, and, and it's the perfect bridge, as you said, between um, you know him getting captured by Sidious uh, on Mandalore and, um, and and where we see him then um, in the final Clone Wars arc. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I really enjoy this one as well. It's it's sort of among probably my, my top five sort of comic miniseries uh, in canon. Uh, I do really, really enjoy it. And uh, it's, it's a... I don't want to say this too negatively, but it's almost like quite a rare comic in a sense of it does have like really massive moments in it that is normally reserved for, you know, television. You know, we've got a big fight with Obi-Wan and uh, Maul and Dooku and Grievous and Windu. You know, it's the big moments that you don't often see in comic form because they tend to not be allowed to tell us big stories. So it, it's... Uh... Yeah, comic center introduces <laughs> new characters yeah. just to kill yeah. them. Uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I definitely really enjoyed it. Um, Grant. So that is our canon in 15 minutes, which we're actually quite close to being 15 minutes this time. So good job us Woo, <laughs> progress. Uh, on Darth Maul, son of Daphomir. Uh, so first of all, Chris, tell the listeners where they can find you. You can find me at, on Instagram at SW book collector. Uh, I wrote for fan for tracks under my real name, which is Chris Davis. And also, I have uh, I'm part of a big group on Facebook called the Non Toxic Star Wars fan base. Um, so if you, you if you like Star Wars and don't want any like knobheads come <laughs> speaking to you, go to uh, Non Toxic Star Wars fan base on Facebook. Um, and also say by the way, this is the first one we didn't mention the High Republic. So you know, well done until else. you just mentioned it. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah, until I just mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Johnny, where can the people find you? Uh, yeah, um, on Instagram and Twitter, but mostly on Instagram at Journals of the Wills. That's Journals with an S and Wills with an itch. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's correct spelling, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just the way you said it. I was like, what? Wills? <laughs> He's practiced that one. Okay, and I yeah. am at Vader's Castle Library on Instagram as well. I post book reviews and that sort of thing on there, so feel free to say hello. And you can obviously find the podcast at SWBC Podcast on Instagram as well, so shoot us a message if you enjoyed the episode. And if you want to join us on a future episode of Canon or Legends in 15 Minutes, uh, the next episode we've got coming up will be the James Lucino novel Tarkin. So we will see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.